Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week, we're going to be talking about the Netflix series The Floor is Lava, the Bravo series Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and Alanis Morissette's new album Such Pretty Forks in the Road. And as a reminder, as we approach the one-year anniversary of our show, we're still conducting a survey to find out what you want to hear more of as we enter year two. Year two! Ah! <laughs> it, was, it was basically exactly a year ago on the date that we're recording this that we talked about making this podcast, so. And any regrets? No, it's been really <laughs> fun. <laughs> the link to our survey is in our show notes, and we'll also have it available as a link on our Twitter account, which is Pause Pop Podcast. Let's get started. Yeah. You are, I would call you a reality show aficionado. <laughs> is that correct? And you've been watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I'd like to hear more about that because it's really just kind of not even on my radar at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say that there are people I know who are much more into reality shows generally than I am. I do not watch any of the other Real Housewives franchises except for Beverly Hills. That is the only one I watch. Okay. So the Beverly Hills installment of the Real Housewives franchise is actually the sixth series that they did. Um, but like I said, I don't watch any of the other ones currently. I only watch Beverly Hills. And I have watched it since the first season. It started 10 years ago. It started wow. in October of 2010. Can you believe that? I cannot. It's crazy. So some of the other iterations of the Real Housewives, like um, Orange County, I think is the original one. And it's been on even longer. But the reason I started watching this series was because they're, none of them are actual housewives. Okay. The premise of, of all of these Real Housewives shows is it's several very wealthy women in a particular city, and they are sort of loosely friends or acquaintances, and they just kind of hang out and discuss stuff and have, as we talked about with Selling Sunset, there is a certain level of manufactured drama, low stakes, but high drama. But the reason I started watching this one, they, they're, none of them are actual literal housewives in the definition of, of a married woman who doesn't work. All of the women on Beverly Hills are either actresses or former actresses or entrepreneurs or one of them is a restaurateur so they all they all work other than their job on the show and i actually thought that was more interesting and being in beverly hills as i mentioned with selling sunset it's beautiful sunshiny <laughs> scenery and the weather is always perfect they also go on vacations quite frequently there's at least one trip every season and it's usually somewhere really beautiful the current season, season 10, they just got back from Rome, which was gorgeous, but also full of tension and angst and all kinds of fights. And some of my favorite cast members are even from some of the earlier seasons. The, the show really was, in its first season, centered around Lisa Vanderpump, who is also on another Bravo reality show called Vanderpump Rules, Okay, where she mentors young servers at her restaurants oh <laughs> she's british and she's quite the queen bee and, and a diva but it also in the early seasons was also very focused on the richards sisters kyle richards and kim richards and they are former child actresses 
who are, even though they're sisters and they look somewhat alike, they're very different. Kyle is kind of the mom friend sort of person, whereas Kim is in the early season, she's a complete train wreck. And a lot of the drama comes from their even family problems with each other. The series kind of continues, and Kyle Richards is now the only cast member who's been on all 10 seasons. The current housewives are Kyle Richards, Lisa Rinna, Erica Girardi, Dorit Kemsley, Teddy Mellencamp, Denise Richards, who is not related to the Richards sisters, and Garcelle Bouvet. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yeah. I just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like don't know who any of these people are, so <laughs> I'm very quiet right now. Yeah, no, not all of them are, are even famous. Kim and Kyle are still technically working actresses. Dorit is a swimwear designer. Teddy is a lifestyle life coach and also the daughter of John Mellencamp, the singer. Okay. Denise Richards is an actress who's been in James Bond movies and she was married to Charlie Sheen. Lisa Rinna is a actress. She's been on lots and lots of shows. Garcelle Bouvet is also an actress. And Erica Girardi is a singer. And uh, she has a very wild pop career. She's kind of a a low-rent Lady Gaga sort of figure. (laughs) (laughs) But there's been tons and tons of other cast members who've come and gone. Brandy Glanville is kind of a recurring character that shows up every once in a while to stir the pot a little bit. Nice. If my life had a reality show, that's the character I would want to be. Oh, okay. Come in just as a recurring character, stir the pot, get the heck out of Dodge. (laughs) Oh, well, she's causing some pot stirring this season, I'll tell you. (laughs) But yeah, there's been a lot of, and it's frequently the case on this show that a cast member might stop being a regular, but she'll come back as a as a friend of the housewives and just be in a recurring basis. And that's kind of what Brandy has done. And that's what uh, Camille Grammer has done also. She was an early cast member and she's just kind of gone to recurring status. But over the years, there's been lots and lots of things that have happened to these women. One woman her husband committed suicide. Another woman, oh my goodness, went through a divorce. Well, actually, several of them went through divorces. One of them had Lyme disease. It's it's full of full of all kinds of drama. The current wow. cast I really like. They're not as crazy, and some of them seem like they're legitimate good friends at this point. But there's a big storyline this season with Denise Richards and Brandy Glanville that's just kind of crazy, and I won't spoil it too much. But it's it's bananas. But again, the things that I like about it are sort of the same things that I like about Selling Sunset. It's sunshiny, there's travel, there's clothes, there's big, pretty houses that I'll never be able to live in or afford. (laughs) And kind of like Selling Sunset too, the women have jobs, they work hard, they are clearly not stupid, most of them. (laughs) And for in many cases, there's, there's good, solid foundations of friendships. I don't know that they're the model for healthy friendships, but... (laughs) It's still a female-centric show that shows women, and most of them are well over 40. And even though it's a reality show, you know, to see women over 40 portrayed at all on television, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. And right. I don't know that it's necessarily a very positive portrayal at all, at all times, but I think compared to what I know of some of the other Real Housewives shows, these ladies are, are not as bad. I think I hear some people criticize this version of the show for being not as dramatic as some of the others. But I kind of like that because I kind of want to just sort of, I want the the conflicts to be resolved quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
And it's interesting, last season, they actually had two of the women had their houses destroyed in the, the California wildfires, which was very real and sad. And But it was interesting to see, like, you know, the... It, it is a, a sort of semi-soap opera-y reality show, but they are real people and go through real things and react to real current events. They, they had an episode where they talked about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, and there's some political disagreements among a couple of them, and their children go through a lot of, of growing pains and upset things. And one of the women's daughters has some psychological issues that she's kind of trying to be an advocate for, getting treatment, and I think that's a very positive thing to see. So so yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's silly. They are very like they wear a lot of makeup. It's not it's not critiquing femininity at all. So there's a little bit of a, you know, shallow element to it. But I think if you don't take it very seriously, it is a little bit more comedic than not in some in some ways. It can provide a little bit of that, you know, travel need that we might have these days when we're all cooped up. Since these were filmed before the pandemic hit, you do get to see them actually go places. (laughs) The current season is still running. There's, um, I think, several more episodes to go. The other thing about it is that these are hour-long shows, and they are long seasons of up to 24 episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of like always on. (laughs) The first like eight or nine seasons are available on Hulu. The current season is just showing on Bravo. Okay. But it'll show up on Hulu probably in another couple months. But yeah, it's just really silly. This one, you know, we, we just talked about Selling Sunset last week. I think of the two, you would like Selling Sunset a little bit more. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, but if you felt like trying this one, I think that maybe starting with season eight, so that it feels a little more contemporary and is more the current cast, mm-hmm. I think that would be probably what she'd want to do. Because you really don't need to go back all the way to season one. That's probably pretty pretty painful and it would come off a little dated by this point but it's very you know it has longevity yeah and i just want to make the point that you know you mentioned it doesn't critique femininity or feminism or anything like that and yeah i think sometimes we try to make things do too much when oh yeah yeah when really i mean they could just serve the purpose of being entertaining and yes yeah yeah so i yeah there's nothing wrong with that no, I, I don't think so either. And I think if, if we wanted to take it deeper, we could. But that's that's okay, too. I think one of the main things that I would say is a negative of the show is that they don't represent, like this season is the first time they've had a woman of color in the cast, which is yeah. kind of problematic. And even though it is showing women with careers in their 40s and 50s, they all clearly have had some at least fillers, if not actual plastic surgery. One of the early housewives even was married to a plastic surgeon. So in that sense, it's not super great for diversity of beauty. So that that is a, you know, I think that's a legitimate critique. But in terms of just showing women who are generally content with their lives and working and not young, I think that's, those things are positive about it. So cool. Well, I'm glad you're getting a lot of, <laughs> a lot of men hours of entertainment there (laughs) i think we have now we with this episode and and the other show that we're going to talk about we've kind of then exhausted my actual reality show watching (laughs) we can always find you more it's okay we could we could but that's all right (laughs) so you recently listened to the new alanis morissette album to kind of shift gears completely i have not had a chance to listen to it yet so i'm excited to hear what you think of it 
Cool. I I hope I speak about it intelligently enough <laughs> to give you a good idea about it. Listeners will remember that I'm a big Alanis Morissette fan from our episode where I talked about the Broadway show based on her third studio album, Jagged Little Pill, which is arguably her most recognizable, I think. Mm-hmm. Her most recent studio album before this was Havoc and Bright Lights from 2012. So it's been quite some time. Mm-hmm. Not that she hasn't been up to anything. She's got a really full personal life and she sometimes does podcasts and she's I think she's really kind of focused on spirituality and mental health. She's been very open about her postpartum depression that she's experienced after she's had three kids now and I think she's had it with each one of them. Mm. You know, she was working on the Broadway show, so she's got stuff going on, but all this time I've been like, come on, where's the new music? (laughs) (laughs) Which makes me feel terrible because As a writer who constantly pressures myself to produce, I'm just like, you can't force it. You just don't make people feel worse about not putting content out there. Yeah. So I've suffered silently. (laughs) (laughs) She also does acting. Doesn't she also do acting sometimes, too? I don't know. Does she? She was on the show Weeds and was in the film Dogma. I don't know if she's done acting jobs in between her records so much but i mean she could have been busy with other types of arts artistic projects yeah and that's really cool and i need to really need to go check some of that stuff out (laughs) this album is called such pretty forks in the road which are lyrics taken from the first track on the album which is called smiling they have some of that in the broadway show jagged little pill so I'd, i'd heard it a little bit on that soundtrack first So this was supposed to drop, I think, in May, and because of the pandemic and everything, it got pushed back to July 31st, so it's pretty recent. So I grabbed this when it came out because I was very excited for it. I think, like, you and I have talked about this a little bit, especially when we talked about Jagged Little Pill, the musical, but, you know, she's really, really known for that album and it's Mm -hmm. got a distinctive vibe to it that Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily carry over into her later stuff so i think if if you skipped from that album to this album i think you would be very very surprised Mm -hmm. i don't really care about reviews too much so i don't really go searching for them but i saw that rolling stone gave her a not so great review of this album they were talking about how like they missed her anger and stuff but i think Like, I never want artists to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we talked about this with Taylor Swift. She's Mm -hmm. evolved over the past 10 years, and Mm -hmm. our writing evolves as we go. And Mm -hmm. I would never want to be stuck in a box as an artist. So I think it's really neat to be able to listen to an artist's albums chronologically and kind of see how they evolve as artists. Mm -hmm. So, in my opinion... No, it's definitely not as angry as Jagged Little Pill from 25 years ago. Yeah. But, I mean, it's very clear that she is still a passionate person, but her her focus has changed a little bit. So I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Based on our discussions over the past couple of weeks of the Chicks album and Taylor Swift's new one, I don't know if you'll love this. Oh, really? Yeah. It's only 11 tracks long. Oh. Yeah, and some of the tracks, okay, I'll put it this way, in the the words of our friend Rachel, 
there are not really any bops. <laughs> there are like two ones that could be classified as bops, I would say. I think we should do a new categorization system where an album has all bops, medium bops, low bops, or no bops. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. yes. No stars in this house. Just classifying them by bops. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Anyway, it's not like they're not downbeat, but they're sort of of a more mellow variety. Mm-hmm. So the more upbeat ones, there are a few. The second track is called Ablaze, and that's actually one of my favorites. It's about her kids, which I thought was really cool. So she has two videos out for this album. One is Ablaze, and one is Reasons I Drink, which is the third track and her first single on this album came out a couple months ago but ablaze is like if you look at the video it's just really cute it's because it's her and her husband who is mario soli treadway who is a hip-hop artist Mm. it's them like playing with their kids like jumping on the trampoline and they're dressed in these funny costumes (laughs) (laughs) um and it's dedicated to her kids and it's just a really sweet song that centers parental love Part of the chorus is, it's my mission to keep the light in your eyes ablaze. Oh. Yeah, and as, like, I know you've got older nieces and nephews, but you've got some younger ones, too, and I've got a younger niece and nephew, and it's just, like, so, it just reminds me so much of of them and, like, the way kids see the world Mm -hmm. and how parents, and and not just parents, but aunts and just any grown-ups in their lives. Mm Mm-hmm love them can like protect them and and make sure they you know they keep that light in their eyes they keep that sense of discovery and excitement that comes with growing up you know yeah yeah so that's one of my favorites her author video for this album is for reasons i drink which i listed it as the closest to a bop on the album (laughs) (laughs) and that video is pretty interesting she walks into like a fire hall and is attending something that looks like an AA meeting or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I like about her is that she's a little bit, she's really specific in some of her lyrics, but she's also kind of vague. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what the song is about, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, the song is, it's kind of got a dual, dual meaning in that, it can be about addiction and not not just drug addiction or medical addiction, but like, you know, it could be about bad things, but it also can be about good things because she plays the role of a, of a couple different people. And one is like her as an artist and some and she's really put together and she's got a lot of makeup on and these people come up and ask her to sign albums. And then one is the role of a really tired mother. And at one point she's breastfeeding. And I think she says, this is is the reason I eat or something like that. So it could be, oh. it could have a bad connotation, like I'm depressed or whatever, and I'm, I'm using this as a coping mechanism. Or it could have a good connotation, like I'm having a bad day, but I'm keeping myself going because I know I've got kids who rely on me. Mm-hmm. I think she's just got a lot of like complexities in her, in her songs, like I mentioned before. She has suffered from postpartum depression, so I kind of saw the song a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And there's also a song called Diagnosis, which I think is is about that. And 
keep in mind that all of these are are my personal interpretations. So (laughs) if she says it's not about that, that's fine. (laughs) So diagnosis, one of the things that kind of got to me was she sings about, she says, call it whatever you want. Call me what you need to call me to make yourself comfortable. Mm. And I think that's sort of a discussion we don't always have when talking about mental health because we're still sort of afraid of it as a society. So we're sometimes uncomfortable with saying that's what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that song is about like, you know, it's equally valid if you say, no, I don't want to have a label. Or if you say this label helps me figure myself out and, mm-hmm. and deal with the world. Yeah. Another song that is boppish <laughs> is called Sandbox Love. And that's one of those songs where the meeting to me is a little bit unclear, but I kind of saw it as like, she's had unhealthy relationships in the past, and now there's a new relationship that is much more healthy, and it's letting her be childlike again. Hmm. So if you're looking for the bops, I would definitely go for that one, and (laughs) reasons I drink. (laughs) And overall, I think it's a really interesting album. One of the things that I've noticed in this one and in the past couple is to me she's a unique songwriter and she talks a lot about our relationship to the world and our relationship with other people and with ourselves and like taking care of yourself and making sure you know you're not being a superwoman and like taking care of everyone else but neglecting yourself Mm -hmm. and even though some songs can get dark if they are about things like addiction or depression or or just feeling like you're not navigating the world well, I think there's still this underlying current of hope, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And to me, she sort of celebrates the complexities that we find in life because there are bad things, but there are really good things too. So it's just kind of about focusing on the good ones and getting through the bad and Letting them coexist, almost. That's great. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to like the whole album, but I do think you will like probably all of the songs that I mentioned. Okay. So yeah, I would give it a listen and let me know what you think. Sure. Hopefully you like it. Yeah, that sounds good. And I mean, I I would, would still say that my favorite of her albums is Jagged Little Pill, but, you know, she and I are not super far apart in age, and I think that I've moved way beyond my angry early 20s, <laughs> mostly. Maybe not. I yeah. Know. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay to be angry, but it's okay to, you know, move past that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Since Jagged Little Pill is your favorite album, I assume you haven't listened to a lot of her later stuff, right? Not as much, no. No. I think, yeah, I, I probably, her first few right after Jagged Little Pill I did, but not really much after that. Yeah. If you're not super familiar with her later stuff, like you or listeners, I think Havoc and Bright Lights from 2012 is a more robust album. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you don't love this one, I think you would like that one more. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Cool. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this when I got to put in a plug that I am a fan almost more of her brother, Wade Imri Morissette, who does yoga music. It's completely different from her stuff, except I do think there's a little bit of a, some of her like early aughts stuff was kind of influenced by 
his music a little bit, or they were both influenced by like Indian music. And if you want some really, really chill stuff to listen to while you're doing yoga, check him out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I listened to some stuff last time you told me about him. Mm -hmm. And he's good. I like him. Yeah. It's it's very different. It's almost kind right. of, yeah, it's super different. But let's shift gears completely yet again. Again, yeah. <laughs> this is a miscellaneous episode. <laughs> this is a miscellaneous. We don't, have a, we don't have a theme this time, but we both watched a little bit of The Floor is Lava, the new Netflix show. And this was also something that our friend Rachel recommended. Oh, did she? Yeah. And I was very skeptical. I was like, oh, that sounds really dumb. And then I watched, <laughs> I like... The other day, I ended up like mainlining, I don't know, three in a row or something, and I was riveted, <laughs> and it's so interesting. So why don't you give us the the like premise? <laughs> okay. I think if you're about my age and you grew up on Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts, I think this would be totally up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what the game The Floor is Lava is, it's a game little kids play or, you know, little kids at heart. Yes. And, <laughs> and basically you can't step on the floor because it's lava. So you have to jump from like the couch to the chair and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So that is the premise of the show, except on a bigger scale. So they have this pretty giant room and they fill it with red water. Yes. <laughs> that sometimes like bubbles and sprays up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it, it's actually hot. It's not like going to kill them, obviously, but it's. It's not cold. There's a couple episodes where people are like, they get sprayed by it and they're like, oh, that's hot. And they're like, surprised. Oh, oh yeah. man, I didn't realize so that. So it's not just plain water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they set up some obstacles within the room and there are multiple paths that you can take, but it's a game between three teams, each with three players. And whoever makes it over makes it to the exit with the most people who haven't fallen into the lava. Or if it's a tie with the fastest time, yeah. they will win $10,000. And my favorite, a lava lamp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the rooms are based on normal rooms in a house. Although there's one episode where the room is a planetarium, which I don't know that I... I've never had a planetarium in my house. But <laughs> but they're, for the most part, it's like a bedroom or a kitchen or a living room or a dining room. And, and so the furniture, it's like bigger than normal furniture, but it's based on normal things that you might I guess there was also like a Indiana Jones style temple in the first episode also yeah I haven't watched as many as you have yeah. I just kind of got started with it but the first episode is the basement right yeah it's just got a bunch of eclectic things around like mm -hmm. big Easter island heads and mm -hmm. like a jumble of boxes so I didn't really see a theme there but yeah now that you say that I I see where it's going <laughs> Yeah, the second episode is a bedroom, and it's just all bedroom-type furniture. The thing that's cool about that episode is there's a bed in it, but it, the bed is spinning. So oh. if you... And it, it's like the piece of furniture that's the easiest to get to first. But then once a person is on the bed, they're just <laughs> rotating, and it's like you can't get <laughs> off. And so I was very stressed out by that episode. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed is that people... When they, like, I saw this in a couple episodes where one team member will fall and they'll still be kind of clinging to a piece of furniture and it's not real lava. So I'm just like, you can just get back on that. But I'm noticing that they're kind of, yeah. if they're half submerged, they're going ahead and letting go. And I think it's because if that really were lava, like half their body would be 
gone. So there's yeah. no surviving that. So I think they're in Storm. They would be Darth Vader. Yes. That was what I took from it. If if you even touched it a little bit, if that were real lava, you'd be hurt real bad. So <laughs> you're you're just out at yeah. that point. Oh, but here's here's something that <laughs> I did not expect about falling in the lava. They don't show the contestants come back up. <laughs> no, they don't. And the players <laughs> Which, are like it's kind of freaky. It's freaky. Well, I mean, they show them afterwards. The obviously the real life player has survived, but in in game <laughs> rules, they don't show them come back up. So the other players are often reacting in a way that I feel is genuine of like, "Oh no." <laughs> and it's well done and I I think it's really funny, but it's also I don't know, there's one, there's an episode that you haven't seen yet that it's a woman and her cousin and her husband, and they, the guys both go in and she's like, <laughs> I don't know, I, yeah, it's, it's upsetting. It's weirdly upsetting. And often if the person gets pretty close to the end and, and bites it, it's like, oh man. Yeah. I was actually unclear about what happened in game. Well, I think here's my theory. I have not like, investigated this but my theory is that the player does reemerge very quickly and is taken off set and then they edit it to make it look like they have not reemerged unless there's some kind of underground thing but i don't think yeah i mean it's like swimming pool depth in reality i don't think they're actually like never coming back up yeah but i i like that they make it seem traumatizing and high stakes <laughs> because it's really not yeah cuz it's very silly but it's it doesn't seem silly in the moment. No. You're like, I can't believe he let go. I know. Well, the other thing that gets really scary is that some of the furniture pieces end up, because the lava is like, you know, roiling and boiling and bubbling and spewing, some of the furniture starts to get wet over time as they keep playing. And so you think that a path is fine, and then a column of lava will shoot up, and suddenly that table is slick. So even though your buddy got across, you do the same move, and you are sliding right off. Yeah. And so in the first episode, there are stairs in front of the exit. And I'm, I'm a little bit unclear on whether the lava rises throughout the whole room, or the stairs go down. I think the stairs go down. Okay, because they start to get submerged. And I was like, is it rising in the rest of the room? But I mean, either way, that's kind of that's a little fear inducing. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to get to the steps before they go under the lava. Yeah. Well, and there's also a, an escape room element because there's things in the room that could do other things. So in the first uh-huh. episode, there's like a rope that if they pull the rope, it drops a chandelier from the ceiling that you can then use to get across a little bit easier. But you don't know that it might do that. Or it's or is it a is it a rope or is it like a scepter i can't remember Maybe there was both i can't remember in the first episode there's a rope that releases a mummy that you could step on and then there's this big like scepter pole thing yeah. that you can use okay yeah. so every episode that i've seen so far there's always some little there's some little thing that you need to push or pull or take or something and it's like if if an escape room was extreme and timed even worse and so instead of an hour you only have like 10 minutes and yeah you have to get everyone and you get wet and you you get wet if you don't get through (laughs) so it's very stressful i don't know i certainly would well let me ask you this would you be on the show 
I would want to, but I would also be afraid of embarrassing myself. <laughs> well, first of all, it's humiliating just to like fall or or slip or something. Mm-hmm. But then in the show, I mean, they kind of make fun of you when you do. Yeah. <laughs> in the episode I watched, a couple of people hit their chins and they just like show replay after replay. Yeah. And then one guy fell on the stairs and I think he hit his head. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, and they just replayed it to, like, classical music. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'd be more afraid of, you know, being made fun of by the production team, I think. Probably. I I don't think that you can get super, super hurt because I... Right. There's an episode where you can kind of tell that some of the things that look like rocks are foam. So it really, I mean, it might hurt in the moment, but I think it's pretty safe. But the thing that is shocking to me is how much upper body strength you need for some of the moves. Like swinging on curtains or swinging off of a light fixture and stuff and a lot of really precise timing of things like with the spinning bed and whatnot. So it's not just about, there's not one specific type of athleticism that would help you. And there's not one specific type of logic that would help you either. So I think it would just be way too hard. I don't think I would, I like a, I like a good traditional escape room. So (laughs) If I were to go on the show, it would be very, very important that I trust my two teammates. Yeah. Like, I could not go with people I did not trust with my absolute life. Yeah. 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 Because even though it's not, you really feel like it is. And I mean, 10,000 bucks isn't isn't no money. I mean, that's that's enough to get you motivated. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't I can't really to be perfectly honest i'm not sure who i would want on my team (laughs) i don't either yeah (laughs) yeah that would be really really hard it's hard maybe we'll come up with our teams for next episode maybe yeah we'll see (laughs) but gosh well and and the funny thing that i that i'm noticing too is that the people who claim oh i'm so good at gymnastics or i'm so good at (laughs) basketball it's like that does not end up helping them very much Uh -uh, uh -uh. so i wouldn't even know how to prepare for for that. So, yeah. I would not know either. No. Alas. But it's. I think it's really fun. I'm going to finish the series. Are you? Do you think you're going to watch more of it? I am. Yeah. I got surprisingly sucked in. The only thing I don't enjoy is the narration sometimes. It's a little over the top. It's a little over the top. The show is hosted by Rutledge Wood, and I have never seen him in anything. I think he was on Top Gear, but he is a little bit over the top. I think when they actually end up showing him at the end, it's not as obnoxious, but his narration is a little, is a little much. Yeah. Yeah. Although there's been a couple times where he's made funny comments when he's getting ready to show a replay. He's like, in case you were looking at your phone just then, let's just look at that. <laughs> and it is kind of the kind of show that you might be a little, a little divided in your attention for a bit, but it's also very tense. So I don't know how much multitasking is possible, but I think it's acknowledging a a certain kind of audience member, shall we say. I started out multitasking. Mm -hmm. And by like the beginning of team two, I was like, nope, can't do that. Gotta watch. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's stressful. And you you also it's fun to be like, no, don't go that way. Anyway, it's, it's just very entertaining. Yeah. And the thing like, since you see all three teams in a row, you could be like, no, the team before you tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the funny thing, too, is because I don't think, based on what I can tell, I don't think they know what any other team did when they went through the room 
and I don't think they know how many points the other teams got, and I don't think they know the time the other teams got. So they're going in there, probably not even knowing what order they they go in, and not knowing what they're competing against, really. So all they know is they've got to go as fast as possible and get all three players over to the other side if they can. And right. some rooms, it's actually not even possible if you only have one player left, it's actually not possible to complete the room. For some rooms, <gasps> it is. But there are some that are dependent upon having another player be able to pull a lever or something and get you over. So you just can't even do it. Yeah, actually, the first one was like that. Yeah. Now that you say that. Which is tough, man. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, maybe there's a way if if somebody ends up falling in right at the very, very end, but that would be the only way that you could actually still get a point with only one player for that room. But anyway, it's stressful. It is, but a lot of fun. But a lot of fun, yes. Thank you to you and Rachel for bringing it to my attention. Yeah. So I'll continue to watch it. Cool. Me too. Great. Next week, we'll be talking about more great pop culture stuff. It will be a surprise. We love surprises. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll have our, our Floors Lava teams ready for you. Yes. Not that you know anyone in our lives. <laughs> no, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm that in the meantime. <laughs> our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast, where you can also find the link to our listener survey. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.